I dominate this girl's will. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever it is, wherever you are. My name is Malachi J. Matthews, and I am joined, as always, by Hollywood, Hollywood, lockdown, Fletch, tidy, tired, on nights, Fletch. Hello. How's it going, Fletch? You all right? Yeah. Tired. Essential worker, Fletch. Essential, Fletch. That's so essential. Is, is tired from sorting out computers for everyone. Did I tell you I found a monster head outside work? today i saw the photo before we carry on like ladies and gentlemen the third man is here because uh, it's magic mark ladies and gentlemen on back on lockdown supertown fat club fat club fat, fat, fat club fat club i mean it's... i have put on like a couple of pounds since lockdown don't judge me i'm not judging <laughs> is that all your non-writing chocolate Oh, don't. I started a writer's course couldn't, and I got to the first exercise. Couldn't do it, so I fucked it off. <laughs> <laughs> I tried three times and I was like, no, I'm really upset. I hate myself. And so I stopped. I've been drinking basically a box of Fosters most days. Uh, <laughs> isn't good. I think I, I'm going to end up looking like Joe after the end of this. The thing is, right, I guess... The, the silver lining is, because you're recording over the internet, I can be on every episode if you'll have me. Oh, that's it, yeah. Can we do Voodoo Academy? Uh, well, we discussed it, didn't we? We'll do it eventually, but we've got a long, long list. An illustrious list to get through, Mark. And uh, it, it's coming. Don't worry, mate. Don't worry. Voodoo Academy is there. It's on the list. It's on the list. We told you. Each time you do one, you're just one step closer to Voodoo Academy. Yeah, every uh. week. Week by week, it's like a it's like an advent calendar, but with dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas! <laughs> so, what have you been up to while you've been in lockdown, Fletcher? I know you've been you've been working hard, and you said you found uh, you you found what outside your in the street? I uh, found a dried up monster head on the floor. Yes, a dried up monster head. Now. It looks very much like a pike with a glove in its mouth to me. It's not what know. you want to be seeing outside your house or outside your work or outside in general, really. I just found it on the road outside and I thought a fox will have it, but no, it's just been there for days now. It's still there? Yeah. By okay. monster head, do you actually mean a monster head, like a prosthetic mask or something? Fuck or... No. no, 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 it's real. It's real. It's like the head of a pike, Mark. Well, like a big fish. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all dried up and it's got big, horrible fangs. and Yeah, it looks, it does, it, it does look like the severed head of a stuffed pike. Uh, but why would it be in the street? Why would it be in the street? Voodoo, I think, is the only explanation. Yeah, now, someone's you, trying you to put to, a hex on me. You've been fucking around with all this, uh, all this black magic stuff over the last couple of weeks, mate. I don't know what you expected to happen. I'm surprised you, you, you didn't come home to a plague of wasps or something Some, like that. Someone's after me. Bad juju. What about you, Mark? What have you been up to? Mostly podcasting. Yeah, eating like a fat pig, doing no exercise. And a stupid amount of podcasts. I, I'm doing a Red Dwarf podcast now. I know you oh. are, yeah. You sent me some clips of it and you were telling me about it on Saturday. Yeah, I'm very excited. It's called Shipwrecked and Comatose, and it's launching at the end of May. 
Very good. Very good. And I noticed that you're having a bit of a break from the don't say the C word because did you expect it to go on for this long and have to do content every day for a month? <laughs> well, I did it for 37 days in a row and I was like, do you know what? I've got 100 other podcasts I'm doing and, and, and I'm just going to take a week off. This week I'm still recording four different podcast episodes, five different podcast episodes. So, you know, yeah. it's not like I'm actually taking a week off. No, just off your own one. But honestly, it's just so just keeping myself fucking busy. Otherwise, I'm going to go fucking cray cray, and I don't want to go cray cray. Well, I've done the same thing. I've in the space of a week completely gutted my garden. We had like a jungle garden, and now you can actually get in it. It looks totally different. I've also in the middle of about about one o'clock in the morning the other night. I had I had the need to sort out a lot of flotsam and jetsam in my house. So I uh, gathered up a load of clothes for charity collections, chucked that in a charity collection thing up the road. I've moved around my spare room, which is now the console dude room. It's got Dude Lounge 2, Electric Boogaloo. We've got two of them, mate. We've got the one downstairs with the arcade machine, the adult living room looking now, because that's going to get painted this week. Other ones upstairs with all the toys in it out on display. Good times. And then I'm going to pull all the carpet up in the hallways and sand the fucking stairs down. Did uh, you ask all... Sarah whether or not you could have two dude lounges? Well, no, the thing is, I've, I've relinquished the back room. So it, it's, it, it's the bookshelves just got books on it. Not, no more little Ric Flairs all over the place. They're all upstairs in one, one room, all out right. on display. Ric Flairs all over the place. Robocops. I'm sick of them, if anything. There's too many. I've got sting figures coming out my ass. Well, not literally. That sounds painful. But yes, yeah, so maybe I'll... it would sting. Yeah. Oh, I would burn the stinger and I'll sting you. Lol. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I've been re- renovating DIY to to stave off the madness, and it's going pretty well. It's going pretty well. I'm getting a leaf blower delivered this afternoon to do some more stuff. I've been pruning trees. I'm going to destroy a pond, a pseudo-Japanese pond at some point. So basically, lockdown has turned you into your age. What do you mean, into my age? Like, you, you're just acting like a middle-aged man now. I basically turned into my dad for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's it, yeah. When you're that's... working in the garden, do your bitch tits jiggle like that Charlie Dimmock? What are you on about, Mark? I'm svelte. I'm svelte. Not... I ain't got no... Do you not remember that Charlie Dimmock with the tits that jiggled, though? I do remember Jiggly Tits Dimmock. I do. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen you in real life for, like, uh, like six weeks now. So what you might have you... got, like, your weight from lockdown. And you might have bitch tits that will jiggle like Charlie Dimmock's. No, hey, mate. Well, that's the point. I'm doing garden cardio. I phrased it cardio. So, <laughs> so I can do all the gardening and decorating and pulling up carpets. But I do drink a box of Fosters while I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been grilling a lot of meat outside as well. I've basically not been in the house for about a week. Mate, uh, this lockdown is going to last till September and we've all already gone legitimately mental. This is not a good look for us, is it? Well, the thing is... Speak uh, to yourself. Well, thanks <laughs> doing all right. We're technically mental anyway, so, we, you know... <laughs> just, uh, I'm going to be buying all sorts of Amazon. The garden's going to look like a garden centre by the time anyone else is allowed in it. <laughs> I'm going to have gnomes all over it. Send me a gnome. Oh. Just send me a gnome. Do that. 
I'm going to get some flamingos. Get like a Patreon or something, like an Amazon wish list. If people like Super Tech Film Club, they can buy you a fucking gnome. Yeah, all right, I'll set that up. Or you can just get a long jockey. Get a lot, yeah, anything like flamingos, the tackiest but classiest, the better. So, anyway, let's not stop talking about gardening and eating chocolate and essential computer work and pike heads because we're here to do. (laughs) Tap Film Club, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Fletcher, what did we do this week on Super Tap Film Club? Uh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it is a mouthful of a title. I forgot. Oh god. Do you yeah. know what? I've been I've been awake for a very long time. I think we're all pretty sleep deprived doing this one. I've had a couple of hours sleep. Yeah, I've had a couple of hours sleep. I actually had a nap for half an hour before we did this because I was awake for two days renovating a spare room like a mad, like a literal madman. Okay. Um, I remember the title of the film. Okay. Fletcher, what are we doing this week on Super Tap Film Club? (laughs) Wrestling Women versus the Aztec Mummy. Wrestling women versus the Aztec mummy, or known in some places as rock and roll wrestling women versus the Aztec mummy, which is even more of a mouthful. So the past few weeks, we've done sports-related films. So now we've gone back to the horror. We did bit demons as well. So we're combining our love of sport and horror into one combination. Coming from Mexico in 1964. It was originally in Spanish language, so it was Las Luchadores... Contra la Momia was its original name. And that's interesting because it just says the mummy because, you know, it's made in Mexico. They didn't need to point out that the mummy was Aztec because people from Mexico know that Mexicans used to be Aztecs in it. Yeah. Same as you said, if you're Mexico, can I have some beans? You don't say, I want some Mexican beans, please. Because you're in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. So this one was picked by Fletch and this is the oldest film that we've ever done being in 1964 we've only ever gone far as far back as the uh as the 70s haven't we um i don't know <laughs> i mean I you, think, d- I... you are both particularly fond of the 80s yeah i think it's mainly but this is the furthest back that we've gone so well let me tell you it's not the only one this is actually uh so the wrestling women mm-hmm. this is versus the aztec versus aztec mummy but they've uh, the wrestling women have appeared in a few films in Mexico. Oh, excellent! Is it like this, like uh, like Santos and all that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, so like it'll be wrestling women versus Aztec mummy. Um, I think I think there's a wrestling women versus the killer robot as well. Amazing. Good. It's more of a series. One thing I did want to query. I've been doing. Other podcasts, I know I've been cheating on you, and I, I, I watched another 1964 film just by pure coincidence for Without a Mouse, and that was That Darn Cat. That was in right. glorious Technicolor. Why was this in fucking black and white? Yeah, I would have thought it would be in the budget. That Darn Cat is a Disney film. They owned the colour. That's why. That's why they wouldn't give the colour to Mexico. Yeah, that film you watched was like watching Avatar. I've it really wasn't like watching fucking <laughs> Avatar. It was like watching Avatar in the 60s. It had Galen from Planet of the Apes in that. The Tap River was even then was running through. 
Well, there you go. Disney, yeah. the Disney Fat River. Yeah. But, uh, so, so is that really a thing that there was in the 60s, even though they could have colour, some films were made in black and white because it was cheaper? Yeah, of course there was. I mean, there was a lot of stuff like um, The Night of the Living Dead uh, was, was in the 60s. That's in black and white. A lot of 60s sci-fi because it was it made by a lot of the same people that, do, that were doing it through the, like, the 40s and 50s. So, you know. Also, you've got to remember every time in in film history, every time a, a new technology comes along, there's always the hanger-ons, you know. Yeah, that's, like yeah, when that's... we when the talkies came about, there was uh, there was still those still making silent films. Like it'll never catch on. Watching <laughs> things in color, watching things with sound, nah, no one will, that will, that's just a phase. It's just hipster nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually dead cool i I don't really know much about things that was a genuine question uh Mm -hmm. even if if it was naive i apologize but that's that's pretty cool it makes sense i guess people who've still got a video player when they could have a dvd player is the metaphor you could exactly if you can listen if you can listen to led zeppelin on vinyl and it sounds best then why the fuck can't you watch gremlins on vhs yeah, like speaking of speaking of Disney, it's one of the reasons why they rose to to dominance in such a way because they embraced those new technologies like sound, like color. They were on it, and they were showing the new things. So that's why they like that's why they grew in popularity so so much, and that's why they just in the end became top dog. They would always be chasing the new thing. Mm-hmm. All right, sh- should we uh, should we get into this little bit of Slice of hot Mexican tat. Black Dragon Gang murders archaeologist. Biddly biddly bit. Spinning headline newspapers like in the 60s because it is the 60s. There is a shady car driving around the city willy nilly dropping off scientists and archaeologists. And they've taken one Dr. Van Dyme. He's been taken by a man who looks very much like Fu Manchu. He's covered in blood and he's being tortured by this man. This man is the Black Dragon. You know, this started with the newspapers where it would normally you'd just read the newspapers. But obviously, because they're in Spanish, you needed a translation. I liked that someone did a voiceover instead of having uh, subtitles. I don't think I've seen that anywhere else. Or if I have, I can't remember it. <laughs> it makes it feel that little bit more 60s as well, because in this film, everybody talks like this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is, which is what I like, and uh, this is why I enjoyed this film because it's going to be a joy to. Uh... And and it wouldn't be a sixties film if it didn't start with a nice bit of racial stereotyping. Oh yeah, <laughs> Wait, that's if if that's what you, you're after. This film is uh, it's going to tick your boxes. But it is interesting that obviously this orientalist stereotyping was quite quite offensive, but yeah. because it was a Mexican film. The depictions of luchadors and the depictions of Aztecs weren't offensive at all. They were really quite well done and really quite accurate. And um, it's just fascinating watching not Americans with their racial stereotyping as opposed to American stereotyping, where if it had been about an American film about Aztecs, it would have been really offensive. Whereas this was really well done, but from... A Mexican perspective. And again, I had never seen that before. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no apocalypto. 
<laughs> oh, don't. <laughs> don't don't remind me of that film. I've never actually seen it. I just know the I just know the uh, details about it. Mr. Gibson at his best. Yeah, but there's literally deleted scenes of him in there, like <laughs> in the film, like where he's put himself in. Brilliant. The car that was dumping all the bodies across the town is following another car, chasing it. The guys in the first car are like, they're following us, they're followers, let's go and hide. We need to go to the wrestling luchador arena. They get, they get to the show and there is a tag match taking place in the arena. The tag, the tag team in question, Ruby and Loretta, these ladies and gentlemen are your rock and roll wrestling women. They seem to wrestle in what looks like 60s pattern models uh, knitwear. My mum used to wear, make her own clothes <laughs> with kids, and they look like the people on the front of those magazines, do you know what I mean, that used to get from the 70s. Oh, yeah, they are quite glamorous. They're very glamorous. <laughs> and they're, it's The thing that, obviously, we haven't got very far into the film, but the dubbing is already hilarious. <laughs> oh, it is, yeah, it is. Because, so, yeah, obviously, they, again, it was in Spanish, so... They, they, there's no way this film would have been subtitled for an American audience at this no. point in time. So no. there was only going to be dubbing. But with my kind of current, I would prefer subtitles, I, because, you know, arty-farty old queen, it is. it really does make the film more hokey and funnier because of the poor dubbing. In the locker room. Uh, Loretta and Ruby, by the way, they won. They cleaned house in Mexico City tonight. They were the winners. And they're like, gosh, those were really, really tough on us. <laughs> Sorry. But gosh. the thing is, That's what the rest of them was like. good. Yeah. The rest of them was actually good. They were clearly no. trained wrestlers who were asked to be actors in this film because you wouldn't be, they wouldn't have been able to do all the manoeuvres that they did in that yeah. wrestling match. Well, don't forget, as I mentioned earlier, these are part of a series. They take on other uh, other monsters and things like that. So I think they're just celebrities in their own right from the wrestling. And yeah. they've just gone, you, you know, like Los Santos did. Mm. Yeah. Is there, they're like um, a Mexican Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly, that's exactly what it is what's like. Going on here. This is, yeah, that's what you've got to do. Think of it like Fast and the Furious. Oh, no, think of it like um, Scorpion King. <laughs> right, okay. Mate, I love Scorpion King. I've recently come across all of this Scorpion film series. That Ron Perlman and Billy Zane are in them later on. Uh, I think Randy Couture is in one of the late... In... Oh. He, he's the Rock's replacement. Is he? Right, yeah. I think we should look into that then. That's uh, if I, Funnily enough, I was writing... <laughs> Scorpion King went on the list yesterday, so, uh, so yeah. The original Scorpion King, or, an, or the, the remake? It'll be one of the sequels. <laughs> It'll be like the fifth one or something. Yeah. So, after the match, the girls are celebrating, but they, the, the match was quite, was quite the trial for them. They were coming at us like bobcats, and they very, very nearly didn't make it. I really like how kayfabe is still very, very real in this film because oh, yeah, it was it. real in the 60s. Oh, yeah, yeah, mate, it was. And that's the thing. It's come back. It's like a, like a real sport. They're, they're, in the, they're in the dressing room having a bit of a chat afterwards. And they go, hold, hold on a sec. Who's that shady-looking fella over there hiding really badly behind a pillar? And he goes, <laughs> no, sorry, ladies. 
My name's <laughs> my name's Dr. Mike Sorber. I'm here looking for Mike Henderson, and he's your fiance, wrestling lady. And she says, "Yeah, he'll be here at any moment." And at that moment, Mike Henderson arrives. Mike Henderson arrives <laughs> with Tommy, and Dr. Scober. He tells Mike, he's like. Your uncle, Dr. Tracy, the scientist, he sent me to get you and he's waiting for you in his apartment. Henderson says, is, is, is he in some kind of difficulty? He says, exactly, young man. That's exactly what he's in. I'm in great danger, too, because the Black Dragon is making threats on all of our lives. But why so what, do they want you dead? While, he's, while Henderson asks this, a sneaky little dragon spy fella pops up in the background, hiding through the toilet window. And he says, well, I'll tell you. About a month ago, your uncle and I and three other colleagues started opening ancient tombs near here and we came across a priceless inscription. As soon as the Black Dragon heard about this, he started bumping people off willy-nilly and tried to get to the inscription. You saw the spinning headlines at the start of the film. The only ones left that are alive now is me and your uncle Professor Tracy. Plus, I was followed here tonight. And let's calm down. You really should have gone to the police about this and not just gone to the wrestling because, you know, <laughs> anything solved. <laughs> just on the, on the off chance that you, you'll bump into a wrestler's husband who's a, who isn't a policeman. He doesn't really explain what he is. He's just like, is he like a fixer? Is he the fixer man, Henderson? He's just um, related. It's, it's right. his uncle, isn't oh, it? He's in trouble. Yeah, of it is, yeah. Yeah. So, Dr. And he's a, he's a dependable young man. Dependable, go see Mike Henderson. He'll help you out. So Dr. Sorber continues panicking at Mike Henderson. While he's panicking, bro pipe, bam, straight in the back of Doctor's neck. He's dead. <laughs> now there is only one left. Professor Tracy. Now there is one. The Black Dragon Gang, it'd make off in the car they were dumping all the bodies in. Done. Later on, the police turn up, pick up a dart. Definitely the Black Dragon Gang. That's science. And there go the police. And there go the police. <laughs> this film is brilliant. It's high camp, but it's not spoof. It's done so earnestly that yeah. it's got a real charm to it. I really did enjoy the fact that... Oh, it's lovely and funny. I would describe it as pure. It is a pure film. It's yeah, a... that, that's the magic mixture there, isn't it? High camp, but just done earnestly. That yeah. really does. That really just just makes for the best viewing for me. From this point on, I was like, "This is a silly, silly, but genuinely very kind of earnestly done film." And I knew I was going to enjoy it, and it didn't. It didn't. Uh, di- didn't disappoint. It was just fun. I fucking live for these types of films, Mark. I've just got like a whole box under my bed, just full of DVDs of just stupid, shonky films from like the 50s and 60s that are just all like this. I absolutely live for stuff like this. It's brilliant. What I think is really interesting about this film is it is shonky and it is high camp and it is from the 60s. But the women are very well kind of, it's almost feminist in how... Yeah. strong the depiction of the wrestling women is that's got to have been unusual for a film made in the 60s oh yeah. my god and they dominate every scene they're in don't they they're like, brilliant they they just absolutely even when they're not talking it's like the eye is drawn to them anyway because they're just taller than everyone else in the scene and so glamorous. yeah yeah they just they just have like this amazing presence in every scene they're like so, a spectacle just on their own 
this is where we get to see the dragon's lair itself. The gang, the hoodlums, the gangsters are reporting back to the Black Dragon. Black Dragon is basically Fu Manchu, isn't he? He's got, a, he's got the whole Fu Manchu thing going on. It's Fu Manchu. They've just fucking made a film with Fu Manchu in it. Yeah, but called him something else. And yeah. do you want to know a really weird filmy fact related to Marvel Comics relating to Fu Manchu? Yes. Okay, so you know that there's a film coming soon, the Shang-Chi film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Well, Shang-Chi... Yeah, yeah. We're, Shang- we're all up on our Disney, aren't we? Well, anyway, <laughs> there is. It's, it's quite a big deal. He's the first Chinese main character in a Marvel Cinematic Universe film, blah, 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 blah. All super, super cool when it comes to inclusion. What Marvel don't really want people to know Mm. is that Shang-Chi was originally the son of Fu Manchu. Oh. Because Marvel bought the rights to use Fu Manchu in comic books. Right. And then they had Shang-Chi as his son. And, yeah, the Fu Manchu comics were obviously quite, quite racist. And mm. Shang-Chi, well, the idea was that Fu Manchu's son was a good guy who became kind of like a foil to his father, but they completely retconned that. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he is not the son of Fu Manchu anymore. Right. But originally, because they got this license, that's where the Shang-Chi character came from. Ah. Well, there you go, Mark. I do like a little bit of comic book nerdery. And when you kept saying Fu Manchu, it kind of like dinged in my brain. Sorry, a bit <laughs> of a tangent. Never apologise for bringing up trivia, especially if it's tat dredged out of the river, mate. That was quite tatty trivia, wasn't it? Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, he's he's like, right then, where, hoodlums, where's Dr. Sorba? We need him. It's like, we, we killed him at the wrestling ring, it's like, at the arena. It was like, what? But I totally needed him for the evil plan, and you fucking killed him, Mayo, because the leader of the hoodlum is called Mayo, like mayonnaise. He says, Master, we didn't know that you, he, he didn't know where the scriptures were. He's like, what? So that means you had to kill him? He's like, you sure? You sure he didn't know whether he's like, definitely. He's like, oh, that's okay then. Look, did you hear that, my sisters? Soon I will have the objects that we need, the codex of the Aztecs. And when that happens, you you two will have all the power in the world. He's directing this at his two sisters that are stood next to him, all geared up with swords, like powerful, powerful warrior sisters. Can we can we just talk about Black Dragon's little lair that I absolutely yeah. love? Because every time they need to report something to Black Dragon, they'll just walk in this room and he'll just be chilling out, like cross-legged in front of a glowing orb. And that's yeah. just what he does all the time. He's just chilling <laughs> with his orb. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the implied scene. When, it, when there's stuff going on elsewhere that we're seeing with other characters, this whole time... Fu Manchu's just back at his back with just sat staring at his orb, just waiting for someone to come in. He's kind of almost Bond villain version of Fu Manchu. Oh yeah, yeah. And I do feel like this is much more of a kind of a thriller or a crime flick than it is horror at this point. And you don't get horror for a good sixty minutes in this film <laughs> at <Yeah>. all. <laughs> yeah. So he says, like, right. That means there's only one person left, and that's Professor Tracy. So, Mayo, go and get him and try not to fucking kill him or any members of his family this time. Please. 
that well until we get the codex and then we can do what we want with them. So cut to Professor Tracy's office. <laughs> Professor Tracy. Now we're talking about the 60s voice. He's like, if you look up man from the 60s, there's a picture of Professor Tracy in the dictionary smoking a pipe saying, hello. <laughs> he says, since we found the codex, everyone that I worked with has been killed. Dr. Sorber, as well as Charlotte's father, points of a blonde, forlorn lady in the room, Professor Dime, who was mentioned in the spinny, whirly-whirly papers at the start of the film, well, her dad's dead as well, the blonde lady Charlotte says. I shan't rest until the Black Dragon is in a cell. The hoodlums have got a small piece of the codex, but it's useless without the rest of it, all the other parts. There's a lot of explanation in this film, but I've, I've, I've thinned it down. People repeat the same thing about eight times on each thing. So there's, there's basically, there's one, there's one missing piece, but Professor Tracy has failed to find it. He just says, look, they're going to go and find it. And he decides, he turns to the tag team and he says, may I, ask, may I ask for your assistance? And they say, certainly, you can use us for sure. And they're going to split, what they're going to do is they're going to get the codex and between the, uh, the group of friends, the wrestlers, Tommy and Henderson and Charlotte, uh, the uh, orphan, He's going to split all the, the items up so, so that Fu Manchu can't find them. And he's going to, he's going to, his plan is he's going to go out and post them off. And then after this whole affair is over, they're going to reunite the parts and use the codex for good, I suppose. That's a great plan. We could fight the gang and get all the parts back. Mike says, that's fine. But I propose we all live here together to protect each other. Don't open the door unless anybody can show you satisfactory identification. Well, Malachi, you have you have grown as a person because you finally have a new voice for characters <laughs> in films. It's no long. You've got two now. You've got yeah. posh guy and bad guy. Mm. This is this is serious development development for you, mate. I'm I'm so pleased know, for yeah. you. This is it. This is what I've been doing with my time. I've been working on <laughs> working on my voices. <laughs> yes, and the bad guy will do like this. <laughs> I am Fu Manchu. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Professor Tracy goes off to uh, to do his plan. He's going to go off sneaking around town, posting bits of flotsam to people. And uh, the tag team and Henderson and Tom go out, and they leave Charlotte alone after just saying, "Don't leave anyone alone in the flat. Don't answer the door." They're like, "See you later." Yeah, See you later. <laughs> they fucking yeah. do as well. Just yep, okay. Just instantly, all just go out. <laughs> so yeah, but as as the professor's leaving, the fucking hoodlums arrive. Who'd have thought it? Kidnapping Charlotte. They've got no ID whatsoever. Not satisfactory. Straight in there. The professor's walking down a shady alley with his brief. He's gone. He's fucking gone. The tag team arrive home to find the place. Empty of people, and they gasp like Dr. Tracy, Charlotte, there's nobody there. And they find a note. Ruby reads it Charlotte, I'll be sending you what I promised, Dr. Tracy. So he's gone, he's gone to do the plan, but he's nowhere to be seen. Henderson comes back, what's going on? I can't make this house. My uncle escaped. So he's going off. He's what he's doing is he's sneaking around town. He puts part of it in a hat box, he puts part of it in a locker. And he puts some of it in uh, a letter. And then the rest of it is, I can't remember. Um, where else does he put it in? Oh, a bunch of flowers. Yeah. The Black Dragon gang have kidnapped Charlotte now. They've got her back at her, <laughs> the Black Dragon lair. 
And Fu Manchu's got her, like, all passed out on a table. And he's doing bad chemistry, lads. He's been doing that really bad voodoo science. Science. And, yeah. He says, watch as I dominate. Oh, shall I do it in the bad guy voice? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> watch as I dominate this girl. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm doing this voice. It's better. Watch as I dominate this girl's will. And I use her as an instrument to help us find our enemies. And I can also make her kill people. Just a few injections with my magic juice, and she will begin to hate everyone she loves. <laughs> so no one can find Charlotte anywhere. Henderson calls the girls to let them know, I can't find her. I can't. She's gone missing. We shouldn't have gone out, really. We had this plan. We all just went out, and she got kidnapped within five minutes. On the line, the line's being fucking tapped. Hoodlums, mate. Hoodlums are listening in. They, they know exactly what's going on. They know the fucking plan now of, our, of the heroes. Mate, the black, the black dragon is fucking everywhere. He's everywhere, the black dragon. He's he got trust right up, hasn't he? He has. So the black dragon is planning on sending out drugged up Charlotte tonight. He's like, what I'm going to do is basically I'm going to drug her up and she's going to go out and do our will. We'll leave her in here, and then the plan will take place. And they walk out the room, and as soon as they walk out the room, she, you hear her going, wake up! <laughs> wake up! <laughs> this is my plan! This is... And he's, like, feeding the will of evil into her head as she sleeps hypnotically, and she gets up, and he says, I am Charlotte. The black dragon is the best. He's number one. Wake up! Go and kill your friends! And she wakes up, and he says, yes! Yes, walk, walk through the door. I will lead you home. And Zombie Charlotte walks out of the lair into the gang's car. And she says, and he says, now just act normal <laughs> to the voice of his head. Because he didn't want people to, to you know, to, to know that she's possessed for some reason. She gets back to the flat. Still no news on Charlotte. Henderson and Tommy and the girls are worried. There's a knock at the door. It's a hat delivery for Tommy. <laughs> You know, a non-suspicious hat delivery. But they're fucking suspicious. They're like, this is clearly a trap. I have not ordered a hat in weeks. And, you know, it's not going to come in a big... It's like, don't you see? This is the message. The message from Dr. Tracy. He's disguised it as a massive sombrero. (laughs) (laughs) And then get the sombrero out. And there's a key in it. And and they're like, ah, it's a key. A key to Hotel Rio. Does she dance on the sand? (laughs) <laughs> now little do our heroes know that the black dragon has a secret surveillance camera <laughs> in the flat that's just just there and it could and he can see the whole thing he's heard every oh, fucking word of this he's doing trap. it personally isn't he yeah so, yeah every now and then he just leaves his he leaves his little orb and he goes into this little room with like his little fucking oh, cctv uh, telly the- yeah. The sound and video quality of this CCTV for 1964 is remarkable. Oh, yeah, like, it's very, very good. Oh, evil, uh, I, evil genius I, I don't think... Oh, that's the thing, isn't it? It is way beyond technology now for CCTV, let alone, what, yeah. 60 yeah. years ago. So he's like, right, he knows what's going on. He's, he's seen the plan. He's sending someone to... Hotel Rio, room 13. Unlucky for some. Excuse me. Oh, don't. I can't. I've been talking for like 20 minutes straight. 
Okay, then, that's fine. Just belch down the mic, you fucking pig. (laughs) (laughs) So the dragon sees and knows all. Tommy and Ruby are going to go and pick up their codex piece, the codex piece from the hotel. Tommy's a bit of a place, he's like, you're my guardian angel. As an Amazon, you're the greatest, Ruby. And they go to the hotel to get, to get the piece. Ruby and Tommy arrive at the hotel. The guy at the counter is just one of the hoodlums in the, in the like, old lady sunglasses as a disguise and they don't notice. <laughs> and it's like, room 13, please. And he's like, yes, I can. <laughs> and he gives them the room 13. And then um, the real receptionist is gagged under the desk. And our heroes head for room 13. Knock, knock on the door. But the hoodlums are waiting inside and they capture Ruby and the fighting is amazing. It really is. Karate chops in this. Judo chops. Love a judo chop. Yeah, I know. Love it. The dragon is watching zombie Charlotte on the monitor. He's like, you will receive my orders later. Go and hide in the flat. (laughs) (laughs) So she just goes and hides in the cupboard in the flat. And back in the hotel room, the, ho- the hoodlums are slapping the living shit out of Tommy. They're just like slapping him on the floor. And the door <laughs> bursts open. And it's Henderson and Loretta. And they un- un- fucking unleash a whirlwind of Roger Moore-style judo chops all over the place. It's just like, <laughs> hey, I tell you what, Mark. How many chops, Mark? How many uh, chops? How more many- chops than a wholesale butcher. Hey, we've not said that on a broadcast for about two years. Oh, no. Oh. They, they left Tommy tied up to a chair like a pretzel. There's a lot of good throws here. Yeah, it's just mainly a fight, really, isn't it? They, Tommy gets tied up and, he, you know, they get him out. But it's, it's a lot of chopping and throwing and the sound effects. The sound effects is just like it's like somebody banging coconut halves together. <laughs> 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 The rest of the dragon gang are at the dragon lair with the piece of the codex. Fu Manchu says to his sisters, they say, how do you, how would you like to face these wrestling girls? <laughs> it would be a delightful show. The best trained girls in judo versus the two best wrestling girls in the world. How much time do you think it would take to tear them to pieces? And they say in unison, three minutes. And they all laugh. <laughs> Because the plan is they're going to send out the judo girls, the judo sisters, to beat up the wrestling women. The two guys that, that Henderson and Tommy took into the took to the police have now done them some done themselves over with cyanide, classic hoodlum behaviour. They ain't getting any no information about the black dragon out of them. All of the fracas is over. They go back to the flat. Tommy relaxes on the sofa, but the black dragon watches all. Wait. Zombie, Char- Zombie Charlotte has been given the mind instructions to go into the room and drug Tommy as he lies on the sofa with mind question drugs. Fu Manchu says, inject him, inject him now. <clears throat> and she does. She just sticks a needle in him. And then um, Fu Manchu starts talking to Tommy. Tommy, Tommy, can you hear me? Do you know where? <laughs> he just starts asking him where everything is. Ruby and Loretta come back, knock the door and fucking... Charlotte goes through with a needle and everybody ends up getting stabbed with a needle. <laughs> she stabs everyone up and then the drug works as a knockout drug instead. It's like a multi-purpose evil drug. Multi-purpose evil drug, yeah. It's a magic, it's a magic drug, yeah. It's science. <laughs> it's science, yeah. The dragon now has all the pieces but one. 
the gang work out where the final piece is. And like, of course, it's going to be in the locker room from the wrestling match at the start of the film. Now, the dragon sees this because the dragon knows all. He gets all these hoodlums together and he says, head to the arena. Let's finish this. They arrive at the arena locker room. Ruby opens the locker, but a hoodlum shouts, hand up, judo chop. More chops. We're fucking wholesale butchers like Mark says. And everyone starts fighting and chopping all over the locker room. Henderson ends up getting the piece and the fight rages on. The dragon and his sisters arrive. And then Henderson's, if you don't stop arguing, no one's going to have it, basically. And the dragon's like, all right, okay, just calm down. Don't burn it. Don't smash it up or anything like that. Let's make a deal. I bet all my bits of the codex against that last little bit of the codex that my judo sisters can beat the rock and roll wrestling women in a, in a match. And then the winner, whoever wins the wrestling match, gets all of the pieces. And they're like, yeah, let's do this now. No, let's do it in two weeks. It's, it's all so civilised and there's like no guns or killing. They just turn up, have a chat, make an agreement and off they go. Two weeks later, they have a wrestle. I mean, it, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you're watching real, it's like when you're watching wrestling. Yeah, it's just a promo. It's just a real... And they're just like, you know what? Let's settle this in the ring. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's just a very, very polite promo. I will settle this in the ring if it's okay with you in about two weeks' time. <laughs> and they, they make an arrangement that they won't have a fight or anything for two weeks. <laughs> and then it just, show day, the match, you get the match. Judo versus wrestling. The crowd is 50% hoodlum, 50% normal person. And then you've got, like, like typical any sports film. All the family are there now. Everyone's there for the wrestling match. Mind you, it's Mexico in the 60s, so everyone probably would have been there. Uh, the two teams are pretty evenly matched. You've got judo, wrestling, judo, wrestling, and the crowd fucking love it. But the judo sisters fight like a pair of dirty shits. They're a pair of heels, and it's just chopping, chopping all over the place, chopping all over the place, and the girls actually win the match, and they beat the judo sisters. And again, it's done with complete kayfabe. It's treated as if there is a legitimate fight they put a whole. Lot- it's UFC. It's UFC, basically. Mm. And um, the the graps are great. Um, what I do like is that um, the judo women are referred to as Orientals, and um, I wonder because obviously that's been translated from Mexican Spanish into American English. Yeah. I wonder if they used what would now be an out of date term in the original Spanish language, or whether or not they made it racist in the translation or not we'll never know because we don't speak spanish and we won't have seen we can't see the original but still i I was thinking was it racist in mexico is what i'm getting at well we'll never know mark like you say we'll never know we are not spanish and we weren't there no (laughs) (laughs) sorry 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 i realized that that was a weird ass but it it did get me thinking you know yeah well that's (laughs) The dragon, <laughs> you know, you know, like you're always just sat watching films, just like, is this racist? <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that moment when you're watching an old film. <laughs> yeah, uh, am I supposed to enjoy this film? Is it okay to like carry on films anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the dragon is an honourable man. He just gives in the bit straight away. He's like, there you go, fair and square. 
but Henderson and Tommy, they arrest them immediately. They're like, yeah, well, fucking have that. That's what you get for your honor. You win. And now you're arrested. And the judo, <laughs> the judo sisters hear all. And then we get another fight, basically, don't they? They, they wrestle. They have a fight in the wrestling room, in the fucking locker room again. The thing about this is it's a massive, nasty heel turn. They, it, they basically lie and yeah. do a really dishonourable thing. After the bad guy did the honourable thing, yeah. I just feel like this lad deserved his kicking by the judo women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He got a right kicking and he deserved it because he was a, a heel turn bellend. So, Am I wrong? Well, you're not wrong, no. So but the gang, after all this, after the heel turn, they decide, they, they convince Dr. Tracy that to convince, uh, to, to continue his work, to decode the rest of the codex. If we do get our hands on the Aztec treasure, and it is as fabulously large as people say, we could give it to the people. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. They are yeah. women of the people. Viva well, la raza. Well, well, there you go. Dr. Tracy says, it seems you guys and gals have come up with an agreement on this. I won't give up on the search and I'll get on it right away. And he does. He starts decoding and smoking and looking at this, looking at this book. Well, that people are playing chess and looking at clocks and playing cards and getting really bored of waiting for him to uh, solve the riddle that is on there. And he's like, it's clearly taking fucking ages. The dragon can see the whole thing on the monitor as well. He's watching them wait. And he's like, I have solved it at last. And the story of the Codex tells us this quite extraordinary tale. And they're like, read it, read it. It's a tale of Aztec kings and queens and witch doctors and gods. And we get a flashback. And you see the goddess of death is to be sacrificed. She was a virgin that was kept alive and had to stay that way until this time for the ceremony. Now, the ceremony was totally ruined by this witch doctor who was just like, right, I fancy her, and he nicks her. He comes in, he, they piss off together. The location filming for the Aztec elements of this film was really, really good, actually. Yeah. We, we take the piss out of tap films a lot, but I'm not sure this is a tap film. I think it's more just a film of its time and if you look at the location and the the love and the there's there's no stereotyping of wrestling or it, i just think this is i'm not sure this is tat well they, t- they tell the tale of a, a witch doctor stealing a princess from a ceremony and thus getting caught and cursed the princess was forced with a breastplate to lie on an altar and they buried the witch doctor alive and he was just accursed to always watch over the breastplate, the jewellery of the princess. The, the flashback is over and the dragon's just like, I've never heard such bullshit in all my life. It's coming from Fu Manchu. <laughs> 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 he, don't, he, don't believe a, he don't believe a word of it. He's like, this is bollocks. This is what I've been chasing it for. Mike tells Dr. Tracy they need to find the treasure. Dr. Tracy reminds him about the curse. He's like, we, we will find the treasure, but if we find the treasure... I told, I've just told you about the cursed breastplate. What do you think is going to happen? Well, they're like, well, I don't care. They get in the car and they drive to the Aztec temple and they just go. Uh, but hoodlums are waiting atop the pyramid. They get into the temple and the dragon gang just fuck off home. And the dragon's like, right, we know where they are now. They've followed them for ages. Let's just go and we'll wait for our time to strike. And they go, we could, I could shoot him now. I can see him now. I could kill him. And they're like, no, no, we'll do it later. Our heroes are in the tunnels 
of the pyramids, one by one, they enter the dark tunnels, just clomping around in the dark until they eventually find the uh, the lower temple, the altar in which the sacrifice was made. There on the altar is the breastplate as they examine it. The box next to the, the altar that they put the mummy in, it moves. It moves and, and uh, Dr. Trace is like, did you hear that? I said, yes, it was a strange noise, but maybe it was the wind. No, no, it was a bloody mummy. He's like, calm down, Professor. You're just nervous. No, no, he's not nervous. It is the bloody undead witch doctor. And he just like, <laughs> the face of the mummy, mummy scream face. Oh, okay. my God. That mummy is fucking scary, man. I was going to say exactly the same thing. It's pretty cool and pretty gruesome and really quite impressive for a film from 1964. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. And it just it chases them around, lumbering around slowly in the dark. However, we have had 69 minutes of wrestling women versus the Aztec mummy. Before we saw an Aztec mummy whatsoever. You get to see for about the last five minutes. <laughs> like 69 minutes, over, like way over an hour before there's any mummy. But I tell you what, it's actually kind of worth the wait. Yeah, it's, it's a really good horror, icky image, scary motherfucker. It's, it's great. Its voice sounds like it's a kazoo. It does, yeah. It's like, <laughs> after all, after all that drama, they've managed to make it back to the flat, and they're like, looking back, it seemed like a whole horrid nightmare, says Loretta, and it's like literally just happened, and they're all relaxing and smoking and having a few shots, and they're talking about their adventure that they've just had. Doctor Tracy does some reading up on the mummy, and he's like, oh, hang on a minute, in this book, this says. This this particular mummy is a it can it can shape shift and disguise itself into anything using sorcery and everyone leaves Doctor Tracy to decode the breastplate. They're like, "Good night, Doctor Tracy. Have a look at the rest of that." But the uh, the dragon and the hoodlums know because of the secret camera, and he's sending bad lads to go and get it because like everyone's gone to bed. <laughs> he's in the living room on his own. But he's working that hard on it that he, he falls asleep at his desk. Then we get a bat transfer, the bat transformation. <laughs> Hoodlums turn up in the car outside the flat at the same time as the mum- the mummy. The mummy has got there via the magic of turning into a bat and then turning back into a mummy. They shoot the mummy, but he just fucking it's useless. It's useless because he, he's a massive lumbering beast, and they try to fight him. But he batters every single one of them and then turns into a bat and flies through the bedroom window. <laughs> right, here's the thing. Is it a mummy? Is it a vampire? Is it a shapeshifter? Or is it just generic baddie? Generic baddie. I think it's just bad juju in general, yeah. It's, it's a shame, though, because the mummy, as the mummy, is so fucking scary and cool. I don't know whether it needed that bullshit. He's no. not just a mummy, though, is he? He's a shaman, isn't he? Ah, uh, yeah, that's it. He's a magical mummy. He's got that extra layer on him. Yeah. True. He's about, to, he's about to do over Dr. Tracy, and then the sun comes up, and he has to turn into a bat and fly away. <laughs> oh, he doesn't like the sun. Okay, yeah, well, I take it back. He's a vampire as well. Yeah. The next day, the news of the, dra- the Dragon Gang being 
eaten by a strange monster is all over the front page in the news. It's front page news. Gang killed by a monster. I don't know who saw it and knew that it was a monster, but Charlotte's like, look, she's reading the papers like this is, I think I know what's happening here. This is because of the jewellery. And if we don't give this jewellery back, the mummy's going to go on killing everyone until he gets it. It needs to be replaced. So Tommy and Charlotte go back to the temple to put it just to put it back straight away. As soon as they've got it, they're like, this, this isn't worth it. Let's, let's get rid of it. They get separated in the dark tunnels. Tommy loses his shit and just runs off and leaves Charlotte in there and just goes, oh, I don't know. I can't find her. I'll just drive all the way back home to get everybody else to go and get them and uh, to go and get her. And then they go back. I did wonder how close they are to the pyramid that they yeah. keep just nipping back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. While Charlotte's in the in the uh, in the temple in the in the pyramid, the mummy wakes up. Obviously, Charlotte's stumbling around in the dark, and then its terrifying mummy face looms out of the darkness, and she faints. Just like, Bleh! and when she wakes up, she's on the she's on the altar, lads, and she's wearing the breastplate. And she sees this, and she faints. <laughs> the gang arrive just in time, and they fight. With the, they fight the mummy with fire because everybody knows uh, mummies are scared of fire. It hates yep. the fire. So it turns into a bat and it starts flapping around in everyone's faces, getting right up in their grills. And then it turns back into a mummy, but on the other side of the, ro- the room, but then it turns into a spider. So they cover it in a blanket and they run <laughs> off. It turns into a fucking actual fucking tarantula. Yeah. And, yeah. Someone, and who, like, she has to lie there with it on her. Yeah. No, no, couldn't, and they couldn't just pay me enough. Basically, wrap it in a blanket and run away, and that's how, that's how they get away. <laughs> I reckon <laughs> they killed. I reckon they killed that spider. You know, they probably did. It was the sixties. Animal cruelty was okay in the sixties for filmography. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not saying that now, ladies and gentlemen. No, we are not. No, fact, animal cruelty was perfectly acceptable. It it really was though in the sixties. Gentlemen, gentlemen, be cruel to your animals. Watching spider, punch it. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Watching of the fucking cat from outer space. Yeah, the animal cruelty in that. I think I did on another episode, but yeah, it was perfectly acceptable to drug drug a cat for for the lols and to make the film work. I mean, no. But yes, basically, just that's that... just too I just can't. I just can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, Robinson, look at this. I've just drugged the cat. <laughs> you silly little cat, make it dance like a puppet. Grab the video camera. We're gonna make a couple of bucks off this. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically the end of the film. They wrap the spider in a blanket, turns back into a mummy, and they all fuck off out. And they're like. Well, I guess this is the end of our search. Who can tell how many centuries more the, the Aztec treasure will lie hidden? And it just ends. So they get the wedding got it. It was it was too much, and they went and put it back. <laughs> it was a peculiar, peculiar ending. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's just another day in the life of the wrestling women. It is, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see when we watch some more of their, their adventures further down the line. Like Fletcher did say, they fight. They fight a robot, yeah. I so, definitely yeah. want to watch more wrestling women because I had a lot of fun with this film. The the robot one is on YouTube in full. Excellent. Of course. I mean, we, we could watch it sooner rather than later if you wanted. It's in colour as well. Gosh. Gosh. <laughs>
it'll get on the shortlist indeed. Can we watch it next week? We can't watch it next week, Mark. We've got something picked for next week. There's a schedule to this. I'm not just picking it willy-nilly. Oh, right. Is it? <laughs> is it Voodoo Academy next week? Yeah, no, Mark. That is a uh, schedule, but it's not quite ready. It's not quite right. Right, not t- not ready for Voodoo Voodoo time. Voodoo no. time, Mark. But uh, you just have to be patient. You you can watch it whenever you like. Oh, I do. Oh, I know you do. I'm, I'm sure you locked down with Voodoo Academy. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this Tuesday episode with Mark, myself and Fletcher. And we will be back on Friday when we are covering some uh, fresh horror films. And then we're back next Tuesday when we will be, be covering some vampire madness in New York City. The Jitters. <laughs>